Good morning, everybody. It's great to be here this morning to, um, to finish off our series on Ephesians. And if you've missed any of these sermons, I would really, really suggest that you go back and have a listen to them on YouTube or on Facebook, because they've been such a great way to get to grips with some of the amazing content that this book holds for us. And the passage that we're looking at today is perhaps one of the best-known passages in Ephesians. And it's a passage that contains a lot of great and really kind of meaty stuff to get your, get your mind around. And I've really, really enjoyed looking at it as I've prepared for, for today. And I'm excited to share with you this morning. And Paul starts with a very clear message that we are on a battleground Verse 11 says, put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Paul doesn't say, if this happens, his words are an absolute certainty that we will face difficult times. And I don't think anybody who ever turns on the news um, or talks to another person would be able to argue against that it's clear that we live in a world in which bad things happen. A world in which people kill thousands of other people in wars, in which children are abused by the people who are supposed to protect them. A world in which a woman is just walking home from a friend and is murdered. A world in which the lifestyle that we choose to live destroys the environment. We've just commemorated an entire year of living under some form of lockdown because a virus has run rampant throughout the world and has killed 2.7 million people. People are selfish, they're cruel, they're hurtful. Leaders make decisions which marginalise those who are already disadvantaged. Every day I do things which I know hurt other people. Every day I make choices which I know cause pain or in my own best interests rather than another person's. All of us do that. So I think we can all agree that terrible things happen. But where we might differ is in what we think the cause of those bad things is. But Paul is also very clear in this passage that as well as the fact that we are on a battleground, he, we should be aware of what our battle is. That it's not against people, but it's against the devil. It's a battle that's being fought in the spiritual realm. How does that make you feel when you think about those dreadful things that I mentioned in the context of them being, as Paul wrote, from the rulers, the authorities, the powers of this dark world and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms? For many people, this will be a frightening thought. We tend to shy away from thinking about a dark side. We don't want to think about evil forces or about the devil. But the more I've thought about this over the last couple of weeks, the more it's actually made sense to me. Because I've always really struggled to get my head around the idea that every person is made in the image of God. And yet some people do really terrible things, which end up destroying lives. 
But if the terrible things that people are doing are actually the result of evil from the dark world, then I think this actually does really free us to move to a place where we truly do hate the sin and love the sinner. Because we, we know that they are still a loved and a cherished child of God. Of course, though, all of us have got free will. We need to make good and right decisions. And accepting that terrible things that happen in the world are part of the devil's plan doesn't let us, it doesn't let me, it doesn't let you or anybody off the hook. But perhaps it does move us to a place in which we pray for protection for ourselves, for those around us, for our leaders, so that we don't fall under the spell of those evil forces. Do you spend much time thinking about the devil and the concept of a dark world? C.S. Lewis, who wrote great stuff around um, the devil and evil, one of the things he wrote said, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. I'd say that for most Christians, we don't fall into the second one of those. We probably don't have an excessive and an unhealthy interest. And the film, The Usual Suspects, contains a great quote, um, which is, the greatest trick the devil ever played was to convince the world that he didn't exist. But I do wonder whether, actually, we're still not quite at that step, that most of us probably do accept that the devil exists, but we may well be in a place where we try to pretend that he doesn't. We choose not to think about it because it's an uncomfortable place to be. It's a place in which we're thinking about things that we don't understand, things that have the potential to harm us. But if we never think about the devil, then we put ourselves into a vulnerable position because we don't recognize his tricks and his attacks. And instead, we need to recognize that there are spiritual forces around us. There is a battle for our souls there is dark power that's at play. And you know what, actually this morning, I, it's just really brought to light for me what, what that can mean at times. So at, you, if you tuned in live this morning, you'll know that we were slightly late coming on this morning because at 29 minutes past 10, we had no internet connection in the building. And that's the kind of thing that the devil loves to do. He knows what's going on. He knows that I'm going to be talking about a spiritual battle this morning. And he doesn't want you to hear that. If we recognize that, then we've got the tools to play against it. And so in the building, as well as lots of techie stuff going on, we were praying that God's power would defeat the schemes of the devil. And they did. And some people who know what to do with the internet... But both things, you know, we have both of those things at our our disposal. We have physical ways of solving problems and we have prayer. We have God on our side. And as I said, the amazing thing about this passage is that it shows us that we can acknowledge that there is dark powers, there is evil, there is a battle going on around us, but we can acknowledge that without being overwhelmed or fearful. 
because this passage, the beauty of this passage is that God hasn't left us alone to fight this battle. The Living Bible translation of verse 13 is, so use every piece of God's armour to resist the devil whenever he attacks, and when it is all over, you will still be standing up. God knows that this battle is happening, and he's not been caught off guard. He's prepared his army, and he's given us the tools to fight the battle. And he says, when it is all over, you will still be standing up. There's so much certainty in those words. When it is all over. Not if, but when. This is a temporary state. It might not feel like it, but there will be a time in which the battle is over, the war is won, and we live in a state of perfection. And when that comes, you will be standing up. You will come through this battle. You will still be standing. You'll be victorious. You won't have fallen and you won't be broken. And God has equipped us with his armour so that we are protected going into battle. So I want to just briefly look at each of those pieces of armour and see how we, how we can use them. Paul names six pieces of armour and it's always struck me that apart from one of them, the sword, they're all defensive pieces of armour. But this doesn't mean that we should see our role in this battle as passive. We're told that we should be standing our ground and to stand your ground is to claim and to own your situation, to fight for what's right, to refuse to be defeated. It's not a defeatist point of view, it's living actively. And although we've been given this armour for the battle, we've got to actively make a decision to put that armour on. You know, just as with a physical battle, um, you wouldn't expect any army to say, oh no, the armor, I've got my armour, I'm protected. Where is it? Oh, it's back in, back in the barracks. If they're not wearing it, it's useless. And the same for us. The armour that God has given us to equip us and protect us will do nothing if we don't use it. We've got to make an active decision to receive it from God and to put it on and to clothe ourselves. So the first piece that Paul talks of is the belt of truth. And this belt gives us the security we need to believe in who God is, what he's called us to, and how he sees us and sees others. If you know the truth about God, then that will also enable you to spot the lies that come from the devil because they will be in stark contrast to the words of God. The more you ground yourself in God through reading your Bible, through listening to sermons, through reading commentaries, through being part of a small group where you can discuss and debate and talk about matters of faith with people, the more you will build your knowledge of the truth of who God is. At the Lent course last week, Jen talked about journaling, and I would suggest that keeping a journal of the truth that God shows you, the true things about how he sees you and what his plans are for you and what he's calling you to, 
is a great way to implant them on your mind and on your heart and to have that belt of truth around you. The breastplate of the, the, the breastplate of righteousness is sometimes translated as the breastplate of right living. And I love this because I think it's exactly what it is. It's about living a way which is right with God. The breastplate protects our heart. It protects the very core of our being. To be right living, we need to be willing to look at our lives, to identify where there's sin, where we're falling short, where we're not getting it right and living in God's righteousness. It's not an easy place to be, but we need to have other people around us who we trust, who will challenge us, who will help us to keep God's commandments and to live rightfully. To have our feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace is the piece of armour that I would say 100% I've always found the hardest to understand really what that means. And I read a really great blog by a woman called Hope Bollinger, which explained it more. And it explained that to be effective on a battleground, you need to have good shoes. You need to have shoes that are going to protect you because a battleground isn't a nice flat street. It's um, a rocky and uncertain and uneven ground. And I'm sure many of us know that feeling that when your shoes hurt, when your feet hurt, everything is wrong and, and you just can't think about anything else. And good, like good shoes, peace grounds us. It becomes the solidness that we need to stay upright. And the gospel of peace is the good news of peace. The peace that comes because we know Jesus' death and resurrection. That we know that, those, that the way he lived and died and rose again means that our victory on the battlefield isn't in doubt. So if we put on good shoes that are made of peace, then we will be ready to fight. We'll be fitted and ready to fight. We won't have to hesitate because hesitancy will lead us to stumble. And then the shield of faith, which extinguishes the flaming arrows of the evil one, it literally stops him from being able to attack us. It puts a barrier between us. But faith, by its very essence, will sometimes feel futile. But if we're building our faith in God, then that will sustain us and protect us when attacks come. And faith is built through knowing the truth of God's love, through trusting him when life is hard, through talking and praying with other Christians. And you know what? Sometimes faith is built just by hanging on by your fingertips, even when it feels like God is invisible and God is silent. Just as in all relationships, our faith with God, our faith in his love will be tested and it will go through difficult patches. And that's when faith and good faith, deep faith, really comes into its own. To keep trusting that God is present, that God is good and will fulfill his promises will lead us to build the kind of faith that we need to stand against the enemy. It will be our shield 
And then the helmet of salvation protects our mind. When we wear it, we know that the promise of salvation is real. Our head is the part of us which is most vulnerable. No soldier would ever go to battle without wearing a helmet. And so we need to also equip ourselves in this way. The moment we became a Christian, the moment we put our trust into Jesus, we received salvation, the promise of eternity with God. But putting on the helmet of salvation means that we wear that promise, we claim that promise and that hope every day, and it protects our minds. Without that helmet of salvation on, the devil will make us doubt our salvation. He'll make us lose our peace and we'll begin to waver. But we have the promise of salvation, so let's protect that promise with this essential part of our armour. And then comes the offensive weapon, the sword of the Spirit. And the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. It's the Bible, which we need to feed on, we need to use as our sword to cut through the lies. We see a great example of this when Jesus was being tested in the wilderness and the devil tried to persuade him to prove that he really was God. And he was misusing scripture to do this. But Jesus knew the scriptures at a deep level. And that, being able to do that, the truth of God's word became the sword of the spirit for him. He was able to fight back against the devil. He was able to come back at his lies with the truth of God's word. And that led to some of the most beautiful words I think the Bible holds in Matthew 4, 11. Then the devil left Jesus and angels came and attended him. Spending time reading the Bible, understanding it and learning passages will help you to be able to use the word of God as the sword in your battle and to cut the enemy down to size. And then we link into another valuable offensive weapon in our armory, Because although it's not listed as a piece of armour, prayer is clearly a part of our fight. Paul moves from describing the armour of God to stating that we should pray in the spirit on all occasions and with all kinds of prayers and requests. Years ago, I heard a sermon where the, the, the person preaching said, that every single prayer we pray dismantles the devil's hold a little bit. And that even if we think our prayers aren't being answered, we won't ever know until we get to heaven the difference they were actually making in the spiritual realm. When you pray, things change. When you pray, the devil cowers because he knows what's happening. He knows that his grip is just being loosened bit by bit. Prayer strengthens and emboldens us. It gives us insight into God. It changes situations and lives. And as I said, it causes the devil to fear because he knows that it will bring answers. So use it. Use prayer when you feel under attack as emergency prayers. 
but use it to prepare yourself for the battle. Spend time with God in prayer, getting to know him, listening to him, chatting with him about your thoughts and your feelings, as well as bringing your desires to him. Pray on all occasions and with all kinds of prayers and requests. So to summarise this morning, we don't need to be afraid on the battleground because we have all that we need for the fight. And we know that the battleground isn't the end of the story. We've read the, we've read the final chapter. We know what happens. We know we're on the winning side. We know that good will defeat evil. The devil will be overcome. But we play a part in that battle. And as with any army, we need to prepare ourselves. We wouldn't walk into an armed conflict without protection and weapons. So let's not walk onto the spiritual battleground without them either. Amen.